Well, hey, everybody, it is great to be here, and uh, those of you online, great to be here with you guys as well. Uh, Dan's out for the next couple weeks. Now, he's doing something. I want to really encourage you to be uh, praying for him. Uh, this is a time of year, every year that he takes to do a study break, and you know, we are so fortunate and so blessed to have Dan uh, leading our congregation, spiritually leading us, uh, right up here from the stage each week but also leading us as an organization and, and as a ministry and just pouring himself out constantly that every year he takes a time, a few weeks, just to refocus himself, to allow God and the Holy Spirit to pour into him, to, to really focus in on his studying, his preparation for the year to come, um, as well as you know leadership and where God's leading the church and to follow that, that direction as well. So that's what Dan's gonna be doing the, for the next couple of weeks. My challenge to you is pray for Dan every single day. Uh, just that God would give him that that refreshing and pouring into him and just that inspiration and speaking to him uh, through this time. So uh, as we get started, though, I want to introduce you to a, a friend of mine. Her name is Addie, okay? Uh, Addie is, of course, my dog. Um, so yeah, you got, got, got an awe up front. You should have seen her puppy picture. It was crazy cute, which is why we picked her up. She's a rescue dog. We like doing the rescue dog thing, you know, helping, helping uh, dogs out and rescue organizations like that. And so Addie's a mutt. She's a mix of a bunch of different things. But here's the thing about Addie. Addie is smart. Uh, I, I've had dogs, dogs my whole life, and she's kind of scary smart um, in, a, in, a, in a way. I mean, when I taught her, just the basic commands, it was like, you know, hey, here's how to sit. And then from that point on, she knew how to sit and how to stay. I mean, it was just that quick and that easy. She's so scary smart that we have another dog, and she'll walk into the room, and she'll be like, oh, I want to sit in that spot where she's sitting on the couch. And so you'll see it working in her brain. She looks around, and she'll be like, she walks over, picks up the other dog's bone. She'll stand there and look at her with the bone in her mouth, and then she'll walk over, and she'll set the bone down, then she'll walk away from it, knowing that the other dog's going to go get the bone. Then she hops up into her spot on the couch. <laughs> Folks, that's a little scary, right? I mean, she's figuring this stuff out. But uh, here's the thing about Addie. She, she's super smart. She's figured it all out, but she's figured out pretty fast that, well, when she listens, life goes well for her, you know? Uh, when she listens to the commands, when she follows our commands, that life goes well, she gets lots of praise, she gets lots of treats, and, and just things go really well uh, for this scary, smart kind of, guy, kind of dog. Now, I want to introduce you to another friend of mine. Her name is Chloe, all right? Addie is scary smart. Chloe? Well, we love Chloe. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how else to say it other than that, right? She is not the brightest crane in the box. Uh, she just, uh, she's a big, lovable oaf. And uh, matter of fact, it's kind of funny when people walk into our house, they, they tend to really kind of love on Chloe even more so than Addie. And Chloe's a big 95-pound Great Dane lab mix, and so she's this big, lovable oaf that will try to climb into your lap because she thinks she's a chihuahua. But uh, you can stare straight into Chloe's eyes. She's trained up. She's gone through all the same processes, but you can stare straight into her eyes and give her a command, and she's looking at it. She's like, yeah, I'm in. Squirrel. Yeah. Uh, scent. There's a noise. I don't know what it is, but she, doesn't, she lacks focus. She lacks intelligence. She's not, the, she's not the best. She has not figured out what Addie's figured out, that things could go really well for her, that she'd get more praise, she'd get more treats. She's a great, great dog, but she just is not 
quite that sharp. Now, why do I tell you about my dogs? Because honestly, I got a little bit of both of them inside of me, right? I got that, that, that dog inside of me that, well, it, it wants to be obedient. You know, it wants to follow. It wants to listen, I, to understand that things go well for me when I follow God's lead. And, and, and then I've got this other part of me that, you know, gets distracted, gets distracted by the things of this world, maybe can't quite figure it out, can't quite make it work. You know, these are the problems in, that I struggle with inside. And, and over, as I look back in my life, there's been leadership and there's been authority in my life that, frankly, I've just missed it. Sometimes I've ignored it. Uh, sometimes I've just been plain old unwilling to follow those leaders. And sometimes I just actually want to rebel against those. And when it comes to this idea of yielding, how we're focusing in on, and particularly what Dan led us off with last week, yielding to the authority of God in our life, uh, Dan did a great job helping us to understand that, helping to kick us off with that. But there's another level of authority that God calls us to yield to, not just to yield to him as an authority in our life, but also to yield to human authority in our life. Look at what uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 14 says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as the head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. So Peter's given us this command here that the Lord commands us under his authority, submit to the human authorities in our world. As after all, he's saying they're basically here to provide a sense of order you know, to, to punish or, or to command or whatever, to provide that sense of order and stability in our society. So God has placed them in positions. And understand what I said there. God, this passage tells us, and many other passages just like it, uh, tells us that God has placed them in positions of authority over me, which means if I'm actually gonna live out what Dan talked about last week, and if you missed last week, go back and listen to it, check it out online, about uh, God being an authority over our lives, about God ministering to us, about God speaking into our lives and, and how important our submission to God actually is. Uh, if you missed that, go back and, and catch it online. But here's the point. The point is that if I'm going to yield to authority in my life, I'm going to do that under God's authority and because God has commanded us. Now, those are the obvious, uh, there are the obvious people and organizations and things that we all must yield to, right? I mean, we have policemen and judges and, and those who hold you know, different political or community or organizational offices out there, but it, it goes actually much deeper than that. I mean, yes, there's the official positions, but it goes much deeper. We also have to think just even the social things that are going on around us. How about your child's coach, right? Is your child supposed to submit to the authority of that coach? What about their teacher? They're supposed to submit to the authority of that teacher as well. But aren't we as parents supposed to submit to those authority as well? We used to do that pretty well. We don't do that nearly as well as we used to. You know, uh, kids are supposed to submit, but not me. They're a fellow adult. I don't have to submit to their authority, but yet they hold a position of authority. And this passage tells us that we've got to yield to those positions. It also means employees yielding to their employers. We don't do this so well anymore these days either. You know, employers are placed there in positions of authority over us, and we are employees of this company, and we're supposed to follow their lead. We don't like to do that because, frankly, well, we don't like what they're asking us to do. 
Or maybe they're, uh, you know, not giving us what we feel like we deserve, right? We deserve that corner office. We, we should have been given that client or that account to manage, or, or we should have been given that promotion. And so we kind of rebel and we push back on those that are placed and authority over us. Sometimes probably the biggest challenge we can have as, uh, in dealing with uh, employers, as employees, is that they don't do things the way that we think it ought to be done, right? I mean, we know better. I mean, we're the, we're the people on the line. We're the people building this thing or, or meeting with the customers or those kind of, you know, if they would just do it the way that I think it ought to be done, well, that would go, I mean, that, that obviously would solve all of our problems, right? So we often don't want to submit to those in authority over us. Now, even in the church, this is true as well. God gives us leaders to follow. I'm not going to talk about this today because next week, and I want to tell you about this so you can make sure you're here. Next week, Dave Stone is going to be here bringing this message and kind of focusing on spiritual authority in our lives. And Dave Stone, if you remember, he was here about a year ago, and uh, this guy's a phenomenal communicator. He actually was the lead pastor of uh, one of the largest and most prevailing Christian churches in our country. I mean, this guy, we're, we're so fortunate that he's going to be bringing the message next week, so don't miss out on that. But, but that's another area of human authority that we have here in this uh, world, but that takes on a whole new level in spiritual. But here's the point. Here's the point. All of us have a choice. All of us have a choice as to whether we're going to yield or whether we're going to rebel against the leadership that is in our life and also over our life. See, there's a really wise saying out there. It's really old, really wise saying. That is, in all of us, there are two dogs. <laughs> a lot like my dogs. They are at war with each other, though, right? They're constantly at war with each other. And the one that's going to win within you is the one that you feed the most. That's just the simple truth in life. You got a battle going on inside of you. And this battle, this tension over, am I going to submit? Am I going to yield? Am I going to honor the authority that God has placed in and over my life? Or am I going to fight against that? Am I going to rebel against that? Or am I going to follow and submit and, and yield as God has commanded me to? Now, the Apostle Paul actually talks about this battle. He doesn't call it dogs, though. He talks about the battle between our spirit and our flesh, that it's constantly, Paul talks about his own struggle, same struggle I have, this spirit inside of me, this flesh inside of me, the, the flesh, the sinful, the natural side of me against the spiritual, the God-centered part of me, the flesh inside of me. Well, it wants to, it's his fight, you know, fight against what's going on out there, battle against that, stand up for my rights. My voice needs to be heard. But the Spirit, at the same time, is fighting against that, going, no, 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 be humble. Yield your will to the authority that God has placed over you in this world and accept that there are those in authority, and because of that, they've been placed there by God, and therefore we are commanded to follow. Now, I want to pause here for a second because we need to get the elephant out of the room, right? As soon as you start to talk about this passage or others like it, as soon as you start to talk about this issue, and there's an elephant that jumps right into the middle of the room, and here's the elephant. What if they're not following the Bible? What if they're telling me to do something wrong? And after all, aren't we as followers of Christ called to change the world that we're in? 
I mean, now you're telling me to submit, to yield to these authorities, but what happens if they're outside the bounds of God? Now, folks, this is what I want to say, and hear me clearly. I am not saying that we should not have a voice that speaks up. I'm not saying that we, should, that we shouldn't have a voice that addresses issues and, and, and tries to champion for what's, what, what God calls us to do and to be in this world. I'm not saying that we should act contrary to what Scripture teaches just because an authority figure has told us to do so. Of course, absolutely. Of course, there are times that we need to stand up for what is right. Of course, there are times that we need to stand against injustice and that we need to promote change in our society. But I want you to hear this, and I want you to listen really closely in this moment. If we're going to do that, if we're going to do that in the name of Jesus, then maybe we should do it like Jesus. Okay? If we're going to stand up for what is right, and we're going to do that in the name of Jesus, after all, then let's start doing it like Jesus, because when we saw Jesus here on earth, he was the most radical and influential person in all of history. And yet, we don't see him undermining and tearing down the authority of the world around him. Instead, we see him standing firm to his faith, standing true to the, to the word of the Bible, standing up for what is right, even just advocating for things that were reasonable and effective, like, hey, I think it's better to heal a guy on the Sabbath than to leave him paralyzed, right? Just practical things. But he did that with great humility. He cared more about people than he did about the issues at hand. He challenged others with the truth, but he spoke that truth with an amazing amount of grace and love. And he did that in a way, and it was just really amazing how, how, how gifted and crafted he was at the craft of this. He did it in a way that didn't undermine or tear down the authority that God had placed, even over Jesus when he was here on earth. Now, I'd like to introduce you to somebody who I uh, met earlier this year. His name is Meher. And Meher, I'm gonna ask you to come on up onto the stage while I uh, tell them a little bit about you. Meher is uh, a man I've had the privilege and honor of spending a little time with. He's actually doing ministry in the Middle East. And um, uh, I want, first of all, I want you to know this, this is a man, him and his organization that we as a church are starting the process of partnering with in ministry. Um, and they are doing a phenomenal work. Steve and I had the opportunity to go out and uh, spend some, and actually a few others as well, to spend some time with them and to get to know them a little bit better. It just so happened that I was gonna be talking about this and, uh, and, and I knew that he was in town. And the, here's the point. He deals with this every day. Day in and day out, in his part of the world, he's got to find a way to both be the presence of Christ and advocate for Christ in a world that is living, he's got to live out that's very contrary to what that is. So I just wanted to have an opportunity to, uh, to talk with him a little bit and with all of you so that we could get to know a little bit about kind of how does he manage this? How does he deal with this on a daily basis? So thanks so much for uh, uh, being here and for giving us time this weekend to do that. And uh, just so they can get to know you, because like I said, we're in this process of partnering with you and uh, trying to figure out exactly what that's going to look like. But uh, one of the things I really want to do is, is give you a chance to tell all of our folks here, what, what is it that you guys are doing in the Middle East? Uh, thank you very much for inviting us. In fact, it's a big privilege to be uh, 
here in the church and big privilege to be in partnership with your church. Uh, I'm coming from a warm place. It's freezing here, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, well, I'm still enjoying the time. And uh, we thank God for what he's doing with us. Uh, I live with my family in one of the most unreached areas in the world. I'm not going to tell you where. <laughs> But uh, we are enjoying the ministry among our people. We serve 18 different countries in our area. And we, we see how God is blessing our organization. Uh, our organization is 36 years old. Uh, we began with the vision of helping the churches everywhere and discovered that most of the countries we serve have no churches at all. Uh, so it took us 10 years to discover where are the unreached countries, where are the underground churches, and where are the uh, believers in the above-ground churches. Uh, through, uh, during the time we spent serving these areas, we began to create some programs to help and satisfy the needs. I hope you are getting my accent. <laughs> What accent? It is accent. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have different types of uh, activities, in fact, or departments. We have department of missions and church planting. So we send the missionaries, we plant the churches in the unreached areas. Uh, we have a department of training and theological education, especially for the leaders of the underground churches who are coming from non-Christian background. I, 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 I call it non-Christian background. Uh, and we have a women ministry, in fact, because in our area, women are second, third uh, class citizens. Uh, and we found that they, are, they, they have a great power to help and serve and reach others with the uh, message. So we began to equip the women in the churches to have their own ministries and to serve their families and the churches. On the other side, we began to build uh, bridges between us as Christians and the non-Christian uh, societies because we are minority living among uh, a very big number of majority who are non-Christians. And uh, praise God that through uh, what we call love ministry, we began to build these bridges and, uh, and get some good, very good uh, fruits. Uh, through that, we serve uh, refugees, we serve uh, in the area of relief. So these are some areas God is leading us to serve in, uh, in our area. I hope I'm... Did I answer your question? You're doing great. I'm not, He's got a lot, I'm not and they preaching, are doing <laughs> a lot, which is so exciting. I, and I, I know that he just has barely been able to, to touch on it all. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the thing that, uh, as we process through this passage today and this idea of yielding, uh, so let me shift gears a little bit and just say, you know, you, you're obviously in a situation where uh, your daily life is affected by this very issue. You know, you have a, a, a way of faith and even a value system that is contrary to the community and the culture in which you're living. 
even though uh, you know, you've got the same relational type of culture, but not the same faith culture. And so how does a Christian uh, live peaceably in a, in a society really that's designed to persecute you? I mean, even to the point I think you told me that your faith is put on your ID card. Yes, right, yeah. right. In fact, uh, we used to live under two kinds of laws or two systems, uh, the, uh, the country system, and it's different from country to country, but it's almost the same system, the same laws. And also, as the Christians, we recognize that we have different laws, which is the kingdom of God laws. Uh, so for us, praying and studying the Bible is not luxury, because through that, we discover the laws of the kingdom of God. And unless we, we be careful and watch our steps uh, and, uh, and begin to follow the country laws in the ministry, uh, if we do that, we will lose our selves and we will lose our calling and we will lose our ministries. So in every situation, we come back to the Bible and see Shall we follow the country laws, which we respect, but in some areas it doesn't work? Especially when we talk about evangelists, when we talk about helping uh, people coming from different backgrounds. So we need to be careful, and we need to discover God's laws carefully and do it and pay the price. So uh, we are between them all the time. Every day, mm. not just, you know, in some occasions, but every day we put the two laws in front of us and ask, ask God to help us to follow his laws if it is matching with the government law, with all respect of the government law. But here we say no. You know, uh, I think one of the things that so impressed me when I was out there is you we were in one of the communities that we were in. You were telling me about uh, that you had a local religious leader, um, and uh, this this person you you know you're you're you're, you're holding to the, this truth of God, but you're handling it in such a way that you're actually building relationships and right. building relationships with this local religious leader, which did different religion, but this local religious leader who ends up actually providing a building for your your program and ends up sending his own kids to attend your program. Right. So. I mean, tell me, how, how does that work? How do you get to the point where you build that type of a relationship while also honoring the truth of God's word? Well, in fact, it's, it's real fun. Uh, if you come and, uh, and minister in our area, you will never get bored because every day we have something new. Mm. And every day we play a different game <laughs> with the people. But the best game we play with, uh, with the majority of people, with the hundreds of millions living around us, and sometimes they are enemies. That first we treat them not as enemies. They are, they are attacking us all the time. But we, we, uh, we are convinced that they are not enemies, they are neighbors. And the Bible said, serve your neighbors, right? Mm. So we call it a ministry of love but it is love in action. And we found that it, this is very effective to reach your enemy 
or reach the communities who are sometimes, most of the times, against us. Uh, we, we, we search, first we begin to build bridges with them, a bridge of love. So we, we found that they are in need in one of the, of the most closed countries in our area, uh, we, we, uh, we felt that God is calling us to, to, to reach them and we didn't know how. So first we found some believers. They are, they are coming from non-Christian background, but they became believers. And we recruited them from the refugee camps. And we sent them to our school to, uh, to learn uh, theology, send them back to their villages. And they began to build the God's ministry. They discovered that there is no uh, education in the, the, in the village, so they began school for the, for the kids and learning them how to read and write and some songs. Uh, after a while, uh, the parents were very happy with what was going, so they invited the parents and they built another hut, <laughs> it's not building, and invited the parents to come and began to, to satisfy also their needs. This is the first stage. No preaching, no preaching, but acts, yeah, a lot of love acts to these people. Mm -hmm. Till they come to the point to tell us why you are doing that. And now we begin to share Jesus with them. It is successful everywhere. Maybe you hear from the media that these areas are... Uh, there is no hope for these areas where there is no churches or no Christians. But I tell you, in our area, yes, we have millions of people, but we still have minority Christians who are very faithful and able to live and love their neighbors, not enemies. So it is going well so far, and many of these leaders are, are backing us now. They are introducing us to others, they are opening the doors for us, which we can't open, but they can open it because they are high, in high positions, you know, in the country. Mm. So ministry of love is in love in action, is the secret. You know, I think one of the things that uh, was so exciting for me when I was out there is, is talking to you guys and, and the training center you have there, and you're bringing in, you know, local uh, people from I think it was 18 different countries, uh, bringing them in and uh, training them up. Spending what is it, three or four months? Uh, six months. Six months. Okay, six months training them and training them about the gospel and training them about the ministry and and how to duplicate what you're doing, but in their country and in their part of the world. But I have to imagine that when when all those people come to you, they all come with various uh, perspectives you know, and various experiences and even different childhoods and experiences they've had at that level. So how do you impart upon them this, this you know, being the presence of Christ, this, this love approach? Instead of this hard, I'm going to fight against, you know, those who are oppressing or persecuting us. How do you impart that upon those other leaders? Well, I believe that what you was teaching before submission is very important. We, we are teaching our people, the leaders, that they are part of the country. Uh, sometimes the, uh, the Satan is pushing us 
as a minority, Christians pushing us down. Uh, so uh, many of Christians have a lot of fear, even to open the doors <laughs> and do something, and feel uh, that they are. Uh, let me let me look to the word, because I I asked my assistant here to help me. She is better than me in English. My, she she is my colleague, in fact, just assistant. Uh, self-esteem image or inferiority. This is the minority feel all the time in, uh, in these countries. I praise God for America. You feel that you are first-class citizens, all of you, but in our area, Christians are ignored in different areas. So we teach our people that you are equal. You are not above, you are not under, but you are equal to everybody. So you have to get rid of fear. You have to get rid of the feeling that you are less than others, but you are equal, but you have a lot to, 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 to give to the people. Mm. Uh, so this is our privilege. You know? uh, and when we are free from these feelings, now uh, we teach them that they are citizens. About six, seven years ago, we began our human rights organization to teach our people their rights and their duties, duties that they are citizens, but they have rights. Because sometimes the minority people feel that they have no rights. And this is the reason that in our area, we, we lost millions of Christian leaders by, by immigration. They escaped from the country because all the time they feel that it is, it's not their country. And when Christians feel that it's not their place, now they lose their calling and their ministry. So we begin with that, just to push them to raise and to know that they have the rights to live in the country and they have also message to give to the people. When we do that, we found a lot of open hearts to the message. I can't, I can't minister to somebody when I feel that I am less or I am better. But when we are equal, now we can listen to each other. Uh, and praise God that we have millions of people in our area who are ready to receive Christ if we reach them. Uh, pray for us. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And let's give... Well, hopefully you got to get an idea of why I wanted you to hear from him. And, you know, we just spent this incredible week with him and with the other team members and with our other partners and connections in their community and just kind of seeing this. And this is what you don't necessarily know. Is, is, and he wouldn't tell you this. Maher's kind of a big deal <laughs> in this area. I mean, he, he really is quite influential. He, you know, leaders gather together under his leadership uh, on an annual basis to talk about how they can impact their region of the world. Uh, he said he's bringing in people from all over and, sending, and duplicating his own leadership and his, his passion and his heart for Christ. Uh, but I wonder this. I wonder what Meher's life would be like if he hadn't learned this whole idea of yielding. Uh, I wonder what opportunities he would have missed if he instead wanted to, you know, stand up and kind of shout at the wind and fight back at the things that are going on around him. If he hadn't taken on this heart of Christ, uh, you know, here's the, you know, this man over here, he is a really strong, really wise uh, leader who is making a huge difference 
in the world. Uh, and yet he has the heart of Christ. We're talking about if you're going to do this in the name of Jesus, then, then start doing it like Jesus did it. And I think this passage in Peter, sometimes we, we look at that verse that we read earlier, verses 13 to 14 of First uh, Peter 2, and, uh, and, and, and other verses like it, and we go, okay, well, there you go. You got to submit. You got to submit. I, I heard this verse a lot during COVID, both, both sides of the issues, by the way. I heard it all the time. But we take it out of context because we don't realize that there's a point, there's a purpose behind that. And, and you heard a little bit about how that purpose is played out in, in people's real lives. But let's look back at this. If you've got your Bibles open, look back at 1 Peter 2. I'm actually going to read the verse before because it's going to give us a little bit of the why. Why is Peter giving us this command? Why is God passing on this command through Peter to us? Well, look at uh, verse 12. He says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Oh, oh, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about how to influence others is really the core of this issue here. Yes, I believe God's trying to provide a sense of order to our world, but ultimately it's really about the influence we have as others. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, he says, they will still see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world to help us make sure that we're portraying who Christ is portraying who God is and the love that Meher was talking about to the people around us. And then we read that verse that we read earlier, for the Lord's sake then, okay, for the Lord's sake in, in influencing others, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. But now let's continue on reading a little further because it's going to further explain the why behind that command. Look at verses 15 to 17. See, it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free. We Americans, we like that phrase. You know, we like that passage. We're free, right? We are free, yet you are God's slaves. That's what Dan talked about last week. First and foremost, you are under the authority of God. That holds first place. And as a follower of Jesus and a, and a, a child of God, then we are first and foremost God's slaves, even above our freedom. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone, he says, and love the family of believers. And then he lays out, for any of you who are still maybe questioning, how do I deal with this? How do I, you know, what are the priorities here? Well, he lays it out very clearly. Fear God, that's the ultimate awe, reverence, respect. God holds first place there, but also respect the king. Doesn't say when convenient or when you want to. It says fear God and respect the king. So the, the fear of God, but also the respect of our leaders needs to be a regular part. See, folks, we live in a tough world. I get it. We live in a tough time. I, there's so much conflict going on in the world around us. Sometimes if you, you look around, you go, what in the world happened? What happened to our country? What happened to our, the world that we live in? I mean, when did everything go so sideways? And usually we tend to take one of two paths. See, we'll, we'll choose one path, and it's just kind of ignoring what's going on around us. Maybe we'll focus in on our church. You know, we'll try to bless people there. We'll try to make a difference there. And maybe if we do enough of that, a little bit of that'll bleed out into the community, bleed out into the society and the world in which we live. So we take that path or we choose to fight. You know, we're going to stand up. We're going to stand against what's wrong. We're going to choose to be the voice that is going to be heard about that issue. We're going to change the world in our generation. But see, the thing is, usually the choices we tend to make, which path 
we tend to follow has less to do with God's word and God's leading and has more to do with our personalities, honestly. Just kind of how you're internally wired. But here's the truth. God actually calls us to live in the tension between those two, between passivity and aggressiveness. That's what we see Jesus doing when he was here on earth. He found a way to, to be in a healthy and, and building others up and not tearing down. He found a healthy way to live in the tension between those two. And one of the first things we're going to have to do if we're going to live in that tension, if we're going to live in the truth, is, is accept the truth that rebelling against authority to change people's mind, it never really works. It just doesn't. You might get your cause heard. You know, you might get some people to pay attention to something that's going on out in the world, but that's about as much of, an, of a change. I mean, when, when have you ever talked somebody into a change in their life? I mean, when was the last time you saw something on Facebook that really lit you up and you hammer on the keys and then somebody goes, I have seen the light. You have convinced me of my wrongness on this issue, right? It doesn't happen because... If you really want to change somebody, it's not about changing their mind. A changed life does not come from a changed mind. A changed life comes from a changed heart. And that's the business that God is in. But here's what's really interesting and what really what Peter's talking about in this passage is that God wants to use you to help change people's heart and how you conduct yourself. If you conduct yourself as that one rebelling against authority or you conduct yourself as we saw Christ, yes, holding to the truth, not compromising what the Bible says, absolutely, but doing that with love and with compassion and with grace and doing that just like Jesus did, that's when change begins to take place. And frankly, that's us just being disciples. We talk about this all the time. Being a disciple of Jesus, it's following Jesus, it's being changed by Jesus, it's being on mission with Jesus. And us being a disciple, uh, when we do those things, when we're doing those three things, when then yielding, yielding becomes easy. It's not hard to yield when you're following after Christ like that. Navigating these challenges, it, well, it becomes really clear and really easy. And I become the presence of Christ in this world now that God can actually use to change people's hearts because I'm living like him. A life full of truth, a life full of humility, a life full of sacrifice. And when I live like Jesus, then God can help me to change the world. Just like Peter was talking about. I can live properly and peaceably with unbelievers. I can live an honorable life that silences the opposition around me. And I can fear God and still respect the authority that God has placed over me in this life. Now, here's what's interesting. In the end, instead of being that one that's a disturber of the peace, I actually become a peacemaker. Somebody who's actually creating peace and, and creating the opportunity for peace to take place through love and through the presence of Christ. And then in the process, I end up actually finding peace on my own because these things are disturbing. The things that are going on in the world around us that we want to speak against they, they disrupt, disturb my own life. And so by in the process of being God's instrument, by, by, being, by simply making the choice, I am going to yield. I'm going to take on the heart of Christ and yield to the authorities of this world. And I can be that presence of Christ and I can find, I can create peace, I can be a peacemaker, and I can also find my own peace. Let's pray together. 
Father God, I just thank you so much. I thank you, God, that you have uh, given me the opportunity to, uh, to be your presence in this world. And God, just as we were listening to Meher earlier, we uh, heard from a man and who's leading others in his organization and, and, uh, and others that he's sending out in various places in the world that have taken on this heart of Christ, this spirit of love and caring for other people and, and building bridges and not tearing down and, and not feeling like if I can just tear the things down around me, then I can finally win. But realizing we're actually being our own worst enemy and God, even an enemy for you, for you, uh, for you for others to find you. So God, we thank you. We think that you've given us this high calling. It is not easy. And it can only be, be accomplished and done by taking on the image of your son in our life because that's when we start to influence those around us. That's when we start to really produce change in the world by changing hearts, not by focusing on changing minds. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen.